Welcome to the Grappling We See exactly. Grappling Rewind Podcast. Welcome to this week on the Grappling Rewind Podcast. So this week's show, we're going to recap Fight to Win 164, headlined by Wagner Hosha, Yuri Samoz, Dante Leon versus Manuel Hebamar, Johnny Grippo versus Gabriel Souza, and Hidra Hosha versus Oliver Taza. And we're going to preview who's number one, headlined by Craig Jones versus Ronaldo Jr., and the Fight to Win 165 all-women's card, headlined by Maria Milyasek and Elizabeth Clay. As always in the show, I'm your host, Maine, with the co-host. Zach. How you doing, Zach? Good. We got a good week of previews coming up, uh, and some fights happen this weekend as well but i'm more i'm i want to seem a little more excited about the previews yeah, um this week in news let's see what i got we have a bunch of different uh cards coming up not a whole lot in jitsu news because it's the rona times yep. and uh there's not a whole lot of news for better or for worse um submission underground has announced they are taking place in march third coast grappling also has an event in march quintet has announced an event in march super Excellent. amped for that haven't seen haven't seen quintet in, in a while in a minute i think quintet ultra might have been the last one and that was like that was that was a while. That was like yeah, Strike Force versus WEC versus Pride versus UFC, and yeah. they got some guys to fill in. It was like, <laughs> yeah, you're in the you in WEC. We'll, we'll call it. We'll call it good for that. Um, and then uh, we have announcement of uh, Manuel Hibamar versus William Tackett taking place on March 13th for Fight to Win. That got announced today, and that is a uh, dope ass matchup. Yep. So uh, Zach, do you have any other news? I got uh, nothing whatsoever. Nothing. All right. So let's move into really that's it. We got like that's all the news we got. Is there anything else? Really, I feel like we're usually our loose segment is more than about forty-five seconds. Usually is, but it's been a, a light week, or I've been too busy to actually get any news. It's I'm not it's sure, but it's been a pretty light week. Oh, there's also a, a tournament week. coming up. Um, oh yeah, for, that, was yeah that, that we just looked at a second just ago. Looked at it's a pretty um, solid tournament coming up mm-hmm. in April, April third. I think I saw. Uh, I think it is April third. Yep, uh, it is EUG Promotions is putting on an event. It's an eight. Person, eight guy featherweight tournament. We don't have the brackets. We're not gonna have the brackets till the day of the weigh-ins because no. basically they're gonna have a big like lotto ball pit, and the guys are gonna pick out their <laughs> slot like <laughs> the exciting. day of the weigh-ins. So it's like there's no seating, there's no bullshit. It's just yeah. like you pick the guy you have to face uh, day of, which is kind of like. Cool. Right, that sucks for previewing it, but like I'm gonna watch the weigh-ins. I'm gonna be excited yeah. about that. That makes that um, interesting. In that tournament, we have Jonathan Alves, we have Shane Hill Taylor, we got Isaac Doderlin, we have uh, Marcio Andre, and we have Gianna, Gianna, Gianni Grippo. There it is. And we have Mateus Gabriel and a couple other guys announced. Yeah, um, also, good. there's some, some other super, super fights. fights. Looks like it's going to be a good time. Yeah, it's the first promotion. Uh, Megan interview with their event promoter uh, here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, still kind of working that out now, but it's uh, super exciting. If you want to hear more about that particular event uh, on Jake Watson's podcast, the Open Guard Cast, uh, he had them on a couple of weeks ago. I think, and you can find it. It's in the in the feed. Really good interview talking about you know the promotion, creating it, yeah. um, and it seems like a lot of fun. Super excited for another new promotion to come out and put on like. A banger lineup like yeah. that. So, that was news. There it is. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, on to the preview of Fight to Win 164. This one headlined by Wagner Hosha versus Yuri Samoz. Um, where do you want to start with this one? Let's start with Wagner. Let's start, start with Wagner. Start at the top. So, this match for the first about five minutes or so was mostly... Wagner doing Wagner stuff. Yeah. Slapping people in the face. <laughs> kind of hand... A little bit of hand fighting, but... Yeah. I mean, um, it, was, it was... The hand fighting in it was... I mean, hand fighting can only be so interesting... But yeah. as far as hand fighting goes, it was interesting hand fighting because Wagner is Wagner and he's mm-hmm. and Yuri's not someone to take punches either. So no. there was a lot like it was as close to a stand up fight as you could possibly get. 
they were about to be throwing hands. Um, yeah. So that was it was pretty interesting, but about five minutes of it. It was it was it was a little longer than I would have liked yeah. on the feet. Yeah. Um, especially because I wanted I really wanted to see more of Wagner's top like top game because mm-hmm. I, I assumed that Wagner was going to be on top just given like in his recent matches we've seen him since he going to 185. Yep. You know do that and then Yuri being the bigger guy was like okay Wagner's probably not going to elect to go to the bottom here because no. Wagner usually doesn't elect to go to the bottom in any match so Definitely then we saw Yuri. it was a it was a, just a pull from Yuri it was like a, well, it I was a even call it a pull it was sort of like they looked at each other and said this has been happening long enough and Yuri sat down and Wagner kind of like was nice about it like he kind of let him sit he kind of did and then like gently moved into half guard like it was it was like the two of them looked at each other and said Okay, enough of this nonsense. And then it's went like, to the I'm, ground. Like, no one's right? gonna take like, each other down because we're both like really good black belts and yeah, uh, like we're ground fighters. Yeah. Um. They, so most of this match was on the feet, and then once it went to the ground, there was something really interesting that you kind of pointed out. Yeah, that it's a thing Yuri that, was doing. Uh, it's a thing that I've been seeing more of lately uh, at the professional level, but I've been doing for a long time. Just kind of naturally fell into my game. But it's this sort of it's close to a knee shield half guard Mm -hmm. but instead of uh keeping your your toes on the outside you sort of put your toes on the inside hip yeah the uh, knee knee that's shielded across the body the shin shield across the body instead of essentially flaring your toes out next to their hip line keep it on the inside and so you're like the toes in yep duck them in and then you use the sort of blade of your foot against their uh their hip bone Mm -hmm. and it gives you a lot of control and it's it's a it can be a pretty challenging position to deal with it's very uh defensive though you talked about it more from like a when you have a bigger player on top yeah it's it's pretty defensive and so like someone that plays like wagner i think it was actually a very nice strategic decision from yuri where you know that that constant pressure is really hard to deal with and if you're playing a normal knee shield or even just a regular half guard and you're getting smashed down you're getting your legs pinched together those that can be really challenging to deal with but this particular brand of half guard um it it puts a lot of the force that they're putting against you into a nice compact triangle frame that your legs making and it makes it almost effortless to keep a person at bay with yeah because you can essentially leg. put the knee up the middle so you're of. using almost no muscle right? and the person like you can't really as, as the passer you can't really effectively slide the knee to either side yep. because you have to like get off balance to sort of do that the other leg on the bottom that's hooked in or in some sort of half guard configuration yep. is still in play yep you're also as the guy playing kind of what you would you call it the Toes in half toes guard in half is what guard. I've always called like, it. But to me, it's like an entry to the butterfly guard. It's like, oh, better get butterfly guard back. That's what but I you use don't want. It. Like, I, I think he actually slipped into butterfly here. Like, but like, it, the butterfly is less. Uh, it, the butterfly itself, I think, is less effective than just keeping the toes. On yeah, because you have all you the have distance this, of that shin, and with yeah. butterfly, you tend to kind of get low and flared out. Like yeah. you can't. Well, and also this, your your top leg is in an extremely powerful position when yeah. your toes are in and your sort of foot is is pressed against them and if at any point you need to you can just i don't know sidekick them into yeah. outer space with that leg well, right it's a very big, powerful position that was sort of the biggest difference in this position than like a sort of we saw yours slip in a butterfly guard because wagner was able to push the toes down and get yep. low and then that is a much more traditional passing stance and wagner was much more comfortable he yep. got up he got much closer started to push Yuri's knees together and start to get around um and then you see you saw yuri go back to this position you can keep your leg up in yep. this position whereas a butterfly guard 
unless you're actually elevating the person with your hook there, it's very, very difficult, especially with a single yeah. butterfly and butterfly guard half and It takes guard. a lot of hip flexor mm-hmm. strength, which is not, it's not the strongest part of your leg, right? It's like, like one of the, like the hip, the flexor, the, yeah. like the, the shittiest part of your leg. Yeah. They're like the worst. Whereas if you keep your toes out of that butterfly position and just kind of keep it, it's, it's all quad and yeah. hamstring. Which carries your fat ass around all day. Yeah, right. It's so, very, very effective. It's a really strong position. Away. But the problem with it is that it ends up being pretty defensive, especially in nogi. And I found that you can be a little bit more offensive because you have nice grips. Yeah, you, you have a lot like more grips to work with and you can like, work, yeah. you can start off balancing them with the grip work on either the pants yep. grips or the collar and sleeve Well, and grips. also that like, that leg pressure, that, that sort of just sidekick out becomes a lot more effective because you can keep their, their chest mm-hmm. in with your, your Essentially like, collar with, grip. Essentially with what a spider guard does, but from a different configuration. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a nice way to think about it. Um, but in Nogi, I find that a lot of times the only options that I really have from there are creating space and going for leg locks, which is exactly what Yuri was doing, yeah. but... You're, I mean, Wagner's hip Wagner's, to the le- We talked yeah. about this we, 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 when we rewatched it ahead of uh, the match. I was like, man, he's going to have a really hard time because I, I can't remember. I know Wagner has been leg locked, but he's fought Craig twice. Yep. Hasn't been leg locked by Craig Jones. And if you're not going to get leg locked by Craig Jones, I think he fought, he fought John Thor Blank as well. Like, yeah, he does. Those are the two guys at 88 in my head that, like, do, if you're gonna get leg locked, it's like gonna be one it's of them. gonna be one of those guys. Yeah. If you fight both those guys and beat those guys and not get leg locked, like Yuri, very very good, two time ADCC oh, champion. Yeah. But like he would start to hit the heel, and he had a you know very good entries into the legs. Yeah. But Wagner would immediately go nah, and because he was standing, he would immediately push either the trapped leg of Yuri's leg triangle or the other leg mm-hmm. down turn his hips, lift his leg out and up and either spin forward or around yep. and then end up in essentially like um, the start of a passing position with Yuri not having any knee control whatsoever. Yeah. And that was we saw that two and separate really, times. I, I think that Yuri was going for the leg locks, knees or, yeah. or, or ankles, but I don't think that he ever got into a place where I said like, okay, this is a... A valid attempt. This is something yeah. that I would I would actually label an attempt. I knew what he was going for, yes. but Wagner never never let him get to the stage where I would say like, okay, this is an actual submission right. attempt. We have like stuff where like that is an entry and stuff that is an attempt. Yeah, like Yuri was going for entries into leg locks, yeah. but at no point did he have a leg lock attempt. Yes, and it's I like think that's what I was. You can throw like uh, kind of what we saw with Gabriel Souza uh, versus Johnny Grippo. He yeah. throws it up with a flying triangle immediately. Like yeah, it's a, it's a it's an attempt at a flying triangle, but it's not an attempt. Oh, sorry, it's it's a it's an entry to a flying sure, triangle. I just yeah. I just fucked it up in my head. Yeah, yeah. But it is not a flying triangle attempt. Like it's not something. That, and that match honestly is a bad example because I actually would have counted. Because Grippo had to defend it. We'll get yeah, into yeah, that yeah. match in a minute. But yeah, Yuri never really locked on a position. Wagner did just an outstanding job outstepping the legs from the top. And Wagner, when you go for leg locks when he's on top, and he's almost always on top, he does a really, really good job of not ever over committing to your off balance because he mm-hmm. avoids you trapping his outside leg. He does a really good job of immediately addressing the knee line when he's still standing as upright as he can be. Yeah. And then I, I just find that as soon as you start to push guys out or you start to get control of the leg or get worse, Wagner's not right over top of you, you can start knocking guys over and actually entering the legs. But Wagner almost never lets that happen. Yeah. He fights you from the top so he has gravity and he can push with he can basically press your leg off with his arms while he lifts and high steps out well you out. also have to i mean it, i think it stems from earlier in the the sequences than that too because before people are hitting any entries wagner's pressure is crazy he's driving forward yeah. he's constantly driving forward and 
in order to create the space to start hitting your setups, you have to deal with that constant forward pressure. Mm-hmm. And dealing with that constant forward pressure is is puts you at a disadvantage for your setups for most of the time, right? Yeah. Is Wagner's good at not letting you do the thing where you're like, okay, I'm going to use he your force he into me give to you get this, it, right? He never gives you the reprieve to like make space to get underneath him in the way you want to. Right. So you end up like you end up entering on him as you're kind of crushed in for space. Like yeah. you're, le- you're reaching for a leg that you kind of have to reach for, especially on any inversion attempts. And we saw like, I think one, what I would call like a knee bar attempt yep. from Yuri here. And Yuri's like, he doesn't have the space to fully roll over his shoulders. He doesn't have the hip extension to lift Wagner up. He's sort of like left kind of crushed in does a really good job of recovering yeah. the position, but yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was that was the bulk of the match was a lot of that was was Yuri playing it was a hand fighting for the first half of the match mm-hmm. the second half of the match was your match was Yuri playing half guard mm-hmm. I think smart I think he he played a, a smart half guard game against Wagner but I think yeah. that his the largest part of his offense that he had available to him based on that that game plan that strategy was leg locks and and Wagner was just doing an excellent job defending them Wagner was in charge of the match the whole time I thought and Wagner would throw up he threw up a nice esteem lock or like a a weird reverse toehold esteem lock I think there's a this not a toehold it's um it's a it's a modified esteem lock and Wagner does it a couple of times as soon as like if you ever put your foot in Wagner's chest he will immediately do it really quickly um he never really gets it but he always he, I don't, he yeah. always prevents guys from posting on his hip and chest after he does it twice. Yeah. Like, it's something you repeatedly will see him do at the beginning of almost every match when you're on the bottom. Somebody will go to post to almost like do the old school De La Hiva where they like mm-hmm. the push sweep. What the fuck is that called? Mm, push sweep. Where Sounds you, good to me. You trap the... Uh, you trap the leg and then you push him over at the yeah. hip and you'll try that once on Wagner and he will immediately try to steam a lock you super hard and fast and everyone yeah. goes, I'm not going to put a foot there again. Yeah. Yeah, but I wouldn't necessarily call those like submission attempts in terms of scoring. Maybe they were counted that way. I, it's um, we'll talk about this later, but it's getting pretty hard to figure out what people are scoring as what for these yeah, matches. Yeah, this, so. this the card was a little. Um, we'll talk about the end of it. So the, yeah. the scoring here was a it's little weird difficult tonight. A lot that of night, the matches yeah. were super close, yeah. so I think that's kind of part of it. But yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the rules for fight to win and the the way decisions went for fight to win is. Um, it's a lot of split decisions that were like difficult to yeah. see one way or the other, I think. Um, but Wagner, I, I don't know how it was scored, but Wagner wins this match. And just uh, subjectively, I think yeah. Wagner wins this match. We didn't match talk about it much sort of what Wagner was charge. doing, but he was in charge of the match yeah. the entire time. He was the one he putting the pressure on. The back on. Foot. Yeah. He was the one moving forward. And Yuri never really mounted any clear any clear offense that made me say, oh, Wagner's in trouble here, but Wagner right. was constantly on the edge of passing. Yes. Um, and so that's, in my eyes, why Wagner should have won this match and did, um, yeah. but I'm not sure about scoring. Well, I think that I, again, I, I look, when matches like this, I look at them sort of as, a, as a part of a whole, like, okay, who do I think won that match based yeah. on, like, positional control, dominance, attempts, like, yeah, and Wagner was the, the victor yeah. in the match. So it's cool eyes. to see him, again, continue to be successful at the higher weight classes. Again, yeah. Yuri's an, a bigger guy that's not an 85, uh, probably closer to an 85-er, but... I'm not sure, but... But, you know, cool to see Wagner be able to go, go up to 85 and then... You know, continue to find success. Yeah. Uh, anything else on that one? No. Next match, which one? Do, which one? Do, well, which one do you want to do next? I'm having a super hard time speaking. Sorry, to everyone <laughs> has to listen to me bumble uh, my four and a half, five hours of sleep. <laughs> let's just go in reverse order. Talk about Hibamar and Dante. All right. So Manuel Hibamar defeats Dante Leon. 
the uh, uh, very controversial split decision. You, so controversial that I think Fight to Win made a post about it on their yep. social they, media. They do that, they do that from time of. to time, explaining like how they score yeah. stuff. And if you want to see how they score it, um, it's there. It's yeah, there. Talk about uh, while you talk, I'll pull. I'll pull it up. If I, I private screenshot the, the important parts of it, I think, were that one point is awarded for a submission attempt, mm-hmm. and then five points is awarded for a near submission, which is a very vague. Uh, description of of things and i I think that the vagaries is is okay right like mma scoring is also very vague depending on judges decision scoring is always weird weird. like it's it's look at at ice skating like it's it's decisions are always weird in every sport yeah um, I, I saw this one for Dante pretty clearly and like, we can talk about why, yeah. but there was some weirdness. There was some controversy on it. Yep. Let's talk about the match. Yeah. So, uh, it starts out with Dante bum rushing, a, a takedown attempt that I don't think he really was going to hit, but I, see, but I appreciate that, especially in the fight to win rules. Like I appreciate guys selling it. We'll talk about uh, selling out for stuff, but yeah. for takedown attempts, Selling out is something I do appreciate because in jiu-jitsu, we tend to see a lot of like push, 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 push. You're not going to defend it. You're not going to defend it. When a guy like Cyborg blast doubles you in the chest, yeah, he's if it if it was going to work, he's going to make it work. And I do appreciate when a guy like Dante like spears into Hibmar and like really yeah. looked like an actual attempt to get him down if Hibmar would allow it. Yeah. And I, I do appreciate that. It was two yeah. different pieces where one where they went off the mat. Well, the first one, I don't think, I think that... It was nice aggression. I like to see it, but I don't think yeah. it was really going to happen. The, se- the was, second the one, second I one was, much... was I. I count as a takedown, honestly. Yeah. Um, down which happened a little bit later. So, like that that initial takedown exchange happened, and then nothing happened for a, quite a while. I mean, and hand then, fighting. Yeah, hand fighting. There, there, hand fighting. There's one thing I want to see Dante do more. Or not do more. One, one thing I I would love to see Dante have more success with because I really like how he does it. It's that um, that really standard. Arm drag to the side, drop single leg. Yeah. He does it super quickly and super smoothly. I just wish he could have more success with it because I think that that particular technique slots so well into a lot of the stuff that guys at the top level do in jujitsu. And I like, he does it so smoothly and so quickly. He just is always a little bit far away when he does it. And he, we saw it, I think twice in this match, yeah. he hit a really, he'd get the arm, he would pull and the hip bar would immediately be pulling back and Dante wouldn't be able to drop and grab the leg. Yeah. Um, I wish he was like six inches closer when he did it because like technically it's so smooth he just like guys pull out of it all the time and i yeah. i think that that is a takedown we'll be seeing more and more because of how guys stand yeah it's very i mean if someone's standing very upright you're able to get in but also i mean part of it in jujitsu is that people are not just upright well their legs are extended as if they're upright but they lean forward a lot which actually makes yeah. that a little bit more challenging to do so if someone's actually vertical like upright in their chest right then that becomes a very clear option. And that might be why Dante's having a hard time getting in because people are leaning at the waist. Yeah, and he, right? has, and to, he has to cover that extra distance yeah, from the distance of your the torso. The distance between the, your arm and your legs, right? So if people yeah. are squatting a little bit more, but they're vertical in their chest, that's when that is open and quite a bit. It's and partially why we see snap downs. Like a collar tie snap down is so successful in jiu-jitsu is yeah. because the people, people in jiu-jitsu waiting for it. tend to have that leaned over stance, yeah. which is really effective for jiu-jitsu for like snatching heads, necks, and guillotines, but well, less also, effective for like offensive shot takedowns yeah, yeah i mean well that takedowns. that stance i think is also because guards in play right if if pulling guard wasn't a thing we mm-hmm. wouldn't see that stance that much right but right. If, if someone if pulling guard is an option i'm 
better off standing there than I am in sort of a traditional wrestling stance. Because in right. a traditional wrestling stance, when someone pulls guard, they're going to catch my leg and start yeah. entering De La Hiva sweeps right away. can't get away from right? it. Yeah, so, it's, so keeping my legs away is good for guard. And, and the meta is guard pulls. So. Yeah. And so I think it's one of those things we don't talk about as much as like, well, just has a shitty, you know, shitty stance. It's like, well, no, it has a stance that's really, really important for the sports you're yeah. doing. It's a shitty wrestling stance, but a jujitsu stance Which, nonetheless. And there's, yeah. and there's a very, very valid reason. Because it's something we love to shit on as a community in general. It's like, yeah. oh, it's a terrible stance. Like, no, it's a great stance for the sport we're doing. Yeah. It is fun to like, poke at it i don't it. know about great but it is an acceptable or i, I think it, it's an intelligent stance, stance it's an intelligent stance that has a purpose as opposed to just bad form yes like there's a there's a reason why people are standing in that stance yeah. versus like a traditional wrestling stance that is great for a whole host of things that most people in jiu-jitsu have no ability to do and have no urge to do yep so as a result, you tend to take this standard stance that makes yeah. this one technique that Dante, that I like and I want to see more from Dante, less successful. Yes. I yep. still want to see it work because it looks dope. When, <laughs> you hit, when he hits it, it looks dope um, and he wraps you up really well. But but speaking of looking dope, that he hits that second takedown, which I think is just actually a, a very clean double, if I'm remembering correctly. It's like, yeah, it's like a... It's like a not like a pipe run single. It's like um, my wrestling terminology is failing me right now. It's essentially a double, but it's a double to the side where he's like trying to go for the like pu- push you for the single essentially. Well, either way, he actually in my book it was a takedown. I guess that they mentioned on the stream that the camera angle was maybe a little bit off, but it looked like he got him down, and then in an, an attempt to escape, Hibamar got off the mat. Which, that's what it looked like to me, but maybe that camera angle was just off and I didn't see it. I would have called it a takedown and reset them uh, with Dante on top, but that's not what happened. It was an off-the-mat takedown, which mm-hmm. I don't think counts as a takedown for by their rules. And then they reset standing. Um, and then some more hand fighting happened. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then uh, they go to the ground. A couple, couple guillotine attempts. So I think uh, Dante went for another takedown attempt. Hibmar... Kind of gotta get. Well, he'll have more sprawls on it, like well, sprawls goes to nice, the neck, yeah. like goes to a front headlock. Like yeah. I would consider the position you go to a front headlock, yeah. and then Dante, like he sells out on the front headlock, like yeah. he, like he's going for a guillotine. Sells out is weird. He tries to sell it as if he's actually getting. Yeah, sorry, that's a better yeah. a better description for what happened. And he then tries Dante to sell out. counters. Just, damn it, now you got me saying it. <laughs> It's confusing. It was an interesting. It was an interesting yeah. week of semantics for this. For this, so he card. tries to sell this guillotine. That's an arm and guillotine that was never, in my opinion, never going anywhere. But it's Hibamar, so like he can hit guillotines from freaking yeah, anywhere. He's, he's Fine, got, whatever. He's got a good guillotine game. It's just like uh, Dante Owen also has a very, very good guillotine game. Yeah. And you saw the hand positioning and the shoulder positioning of yeah. where Hibamar is in the guillotine. Like, and I don't think he was going to get it. Well, and, then, and also Dante's already pushing out. Like, it's not in a finishable. Yeah, it was not way. And I'm like Hibamar holds on to it. To put that in the judge's head yeah, that it, it was a guillotine like attempt, whereas like it's like yeah, I yeah. thought it was a front headlock. And then, but then Dante backs out and then pulls into his own guillotine mm-hmm. attempt that was basically the same. Exact and that's where thing. the match sort of ends. Yeah, and like it ends with ends, I think least. the strongest attempt was that guillotine from Dante. Yeah, but then I mean it, I guess, but there was still like four minutes left in the match, so there was some other hand fighting, a guard pull or two. We're talking about different Dante guillotines, actually. Yeah. Um, there was a guard pull or two, and then Dante kind of has a... Uh, he begins an entry for a knee bar, and Hibamara runs out of it, and then yeah, he a inver- little bit more time... He inverts pe- over, yeah, he inverts and then he sort of it, goes to take the back as Hibamara turns away, but Hibamara runs out of the position, and they're back to the feet. And then the and final then the, guillotine. The final thing is that 
Dante ends sort of on Hibamar's neck, but it doesn't, I mean, it was the closest, in terms of finish ability, it was the closest looking guillotine there was, but also there was two seconds left in the match, and it's possible that Hibamar got out before the end of the match, it's possible that he didn't, unclear, um, this one goes to Hibamar, either, yeah, and then it goes to Hibamar, and it just, it felt very much like Dante had most of the aggression on the feet, he Most was the, the closest to getting takedowns. Uh, whether you counted him as takedowns or not, he was had the closest attempts for sure because Hibamar didn't have any attempts. Right. Hibamar had one guillotine attempt. Dante had two legitimate attempts, I think. Even if you don't count the second guillotine attempt, I would give him. Two, I would give him two two guillotine attempts. I think the final guillotine attempt was the best looking but still really not finishable given the positioning of both sure. guys. Yeah, I, I wouldn't um, argue with that. But I still, like, I, I, st- again, I, I clearly think Dante should have won this. Yeah, me too. Um, Hibmar wins a split decision here. It was a little weird. We're going to see Hibmar versus Tackett. You know, kind of the way that Jiu-Jitsu goes. It's frustrating a bit, but it was also a very low output yeah. match from both guys. Like, so I, I, I can't like, be, you can't really be too upset. And again, yeah. what, what Seth says in the rules meetings when they used to run those um, was like, don't be too, don't, like, if you don't, win the decision like do more in the match like yeah don't, yeah like, you I gotta mean, you gotta you gotta do more so it's like, is, i thought dante should have won the match but like you can't be too too upset that he didn't because it's like well if, it, like if you're questioning clear you gotta like fight stuff like fight to win win your decisions like do more in the match to make the refs like know that you deserve that not decision. even that that's classic like mma boxing advice right like yeah. that's like us a, a rule of thumb that everyone hears over and over again when you're a fighter if it goes to decision, you are not allowed to be mad about it. Yeah. Because you didn't do enough to win the match. Right. If it even hits decision, you didn't do enough. And I think that holds true. I think a lot of these end in decisions. I think this one in particular, neither one of them did anything that I was like, wow, that really should win them the match. Right. And yeah, overall, we can, we can looking look at it, back and like small, pick these pieces yeah. out, but scoring it live, like you could have saw something very different. So I yeah. think like I was a little annoyed and, with the decision, but in hindsight, think about it like, yeah, yeah. I've watched it. I think four times at this point and it's like it's a very very close match yeah. so there was definitely some controversy neither which of them did anything so impressive that i think that they should have won yeah right that's so really what it is so that's that's where it lands um i would love to see it again i think both guys bring a lot to the table i would just i would love to see it i would like to see both guys open up more yeah and give like show us what they can do because this match i don't think is a good representation of what the top guys in these divisions can yeah. do and i was just a little frustrated with I, that yeah Hibamar plays that sort of, he kind of waits to get a guillotine uh, yeah. game anyways. Like, this is kind of par for the course for him. Yeah. I, Dante's not. It's a, Dante's it's, a very, not. it's kind of a very Dante's weird very Dante But Dante match. was very aggressive mm-hmm. here. It's just Hibamar was playing very defensively. Yeah. Which he's known to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it, it was... It was a weird match. Mm-hmm. Next match, we have Gabriel Sosa defeating Gianni Grippo via decision. A uh, lot to unpack. One of the only game matches we're going to review, mm-hmm. review, we're going to recap yep. uh, on this week's show. Um, I made a joke before. I was like, you seen a featherweight game match? This was that. <laughs> it, yeah. Honestly, uh, no bullshit. A pretty exciting yeah, it was pretty exciting match, match back and forth. Yeah. Um, yeah. You was, were annoyed at one point because Grippo enters the 50-50 from the top. robustly disappointed. <laughs> Grippo, uh, so uh, Souza pulled guard early, and uh, Grippo was playing on top for a little bit. And at a certain point, he sits on his butt, grabs uh, with both hands, grabs the pant leg, uh, grabs Souza's pant yeah. leg, 
opens his legs up and shoves his pants, <laughs> shoves Suze's leg into 50-50. It was the most like blatant 50-50 entry ever. Well, like, I think, I don't, and me, from top. And from top. For me, top, what was really me. funny about it was it was like a lot of times with 50-50 entries, you see both guys like working, working it ends in 50-50. Yeah. This is Gripple like, yeah, we've done this. Like I've played, yeah. we fought you like a couple of times now. We're going to go to 50-50. We've I'm just going to put us there. We're both featherweights. So let's stop pretending <laughs> and just went, we're going to end it. Give, give me the 50-50. <laughs> like in 50-50 now. We're there. Yeah. Okay. Now we can start doing jitsu. It was again. just weird to see, especially from on top because like I, I feel like the fight is always, right? We talk about this a lot in 50-50 matches or I'm sorry, in the lighter weight matches. Um, you can say it, Zach. They're the same thing. You giant um, heavyweight, <laughs> of a, uh, heavyweight of a man that's never had to defend a De La Hiva Barambolo at Blue Belt. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, welcome to my life. But also, in, like, I'm not sure ago. Barambolo was a thing when I was a Blue Belt. So Yeah. Um, As a Purple Belt now, it's like, it is the hotness. Oh, yeah. Guys want to lift you up in with like every lapel possible and do a... F- Get them, spinny backflip get on them instagram clips yo um so <laughs> but the, we talked note. about this before it's like it, it's a race to the bottom right and that's why you see these like d double dqs and things yeah. like that in, in big matches if, right if you pull uh and no one if you both double pull and then no one comes up in 20 seconds or goes for a foot or let's go with a foot lock they stand you up they give you both a penalty if it happens three or three times. four times or seven times it's an eternity every time it happens <laughs> um you both get enough penalties to disqualify we saw yeah. it. we see it it's happened it happens a couple times a year it's weird but it happens um, it right? happens at the highest levels that we cover on the show a yeah. couple times a year where both yep. guys get dq'd it is an integral part of the meta is like i want to be on the bottom because yep. from a progression point in the way that like jujitsu scores especially at the lighter weight classes you want to start from the bottom now we're here and you want to work to get your one sweep you're going to get a lot of times yep. in order to push them over and it's much easier to sweep than pass which is why it's worth less points and so you want to start in the position that gives you the opportunity well, especially because you end up in 50 50 it's not that it's always easier to yes. sweep than pass it's easier to sweep than pass from 50 50 yes and all of these matches these double guard pulls end up in 50 50 or in, then, in some variation of like a very mirrored gripped position yeah. that shares a lot of the same technical problems sure. that 50 50 has sure so it so it was weird to see someone be on top already mm-hmm. i mean the seesaw points is not a factor here yeah we're fighting when it's, it's fight who's doing so more, like you can do this but it was just very awkward to see it happen mm-hmm. um and then the 50-50 play, as far as 50-50 play goes, was actually pretty interesting, I thought. There was some, I enjoyed it. Like some the, nice grip work happening. Um, both guys, were, I appreciate this, reminded me of like an AJP match. Uh, yeah. Because like both guys, it was a shorter match, a seven-minute match. Both guys were actively willing to work. Like mm-hmm. there was not a ton of submission offense, but there was none of the like, were, I'm going to hold this one grip yep. for three and a half minutes, look at the ref, and then when he starts to give a stalling penalty, I'm going to try to stand up and do something, but yeah. not really. Like there was none of that. Like both guys were clearly jiu-jitsu yeah and both guys were clearly trying to progress into a place where they could yes. could attempt submissions right mm-hmm. like the movements and actions that they were taking were to put legs and ankles and knees in a position yes. where they could apply a submission and i was honestly really really happy with like i from a technical perspective i really enjoyed a lot of what suzu was doing like yeah. there was one time where suzu goes from it's not a worm guard but it's like a magical lapel lasso position between his leg and well this was this was actually off of something else interesting because it, it's rare to see well, at I mean, top I'm, level let me talk about the thing before and then you can go to the thing that you can explain better than i can well the thing that i'm talking about happens before the thing that you're talking about 
Okay, keep going. So <laughs> it's something that doesn't happen very often in professional jujitsu at this level, but you end, they ended up in reverse mount. So reverse mount, if you've never seen it, um, <laughs> how, do you, how do we, an audio, explain reverse mount? So you're, imagine you're, mount and then turn the other guy around. So now you're looking at his feet. It's reverse cowgirl. Exactly. And then, <laughs> but the thing is with it is like both guys can be in it at the same time. Yeah. And so when you get there, um, all so is awkward. lost because typically it's like one of those weird positions where much like 50-50, the first person to disengage from the position loses. Yep. But Sosa does something super, super nifty here. Yeah. And so uh, Grippo sort of, he, I mean, Grippo was the first to do something, but he didn't really do much. He just kind of picked his hips up to start to try to think about something. Yeah. And Souza took that opportunity to sort of slide one of his knees in underneath and then got to a kind of a single leg X type position. It was a like single, he moved it his was hips. single leg X position, but it wasn't with Souza in the front. It was with Souza on from behind. Yeah. Almost like he was going to go for the knee bar that Herbert Santos goes for from 50, yeah. 50, yeah, uh, yeah. which is actually this reverse mount is, is a position that sometimes Santos will throw that from, or like a variation of this is how he will throw this yeah. from. So I thought he was going for knee bar. And then he, T- turns from going like reverse 50-50 like knee bar into the standard single leg X. And it was like this yep. nice little weird transition that is, su- like Zach said, yeah. super uncommon to see people escape from reverse mount or like transition. With any technical, like I feel like yes. reverse mount when you see it happen, it's just like a clusterfuck afterward, right? Yes. Like you get there, both people kind of look around and say, well, what the fuck is this? And then there's just yeah. weirdness that happens afterwards. Toe where, holds for no reason that yeah, you're not going to finish. That's another thing. There's um, knee bars you're not going to finish. There's double knee bars you're not going to finish. And there's toe holds. So I appreciate that both guys didn't, didn't do, that. do that. They both didn't play pretend. They're like, we're two of the top featherweights in the world, yeah. or light feather, or whatever weight class we cut to. Uh-huh. Uh, middleweight, lightweight, doesn't matter. We're in the lower weight classes. We're not going to bullshit with the feet because we both know world class. <laughs> it's not going to happen. We're just going to do really good jiu-jitsu. And it was nice to see like Souza capitalize on yep. this little instance of Grippo lifting his hips up. It was very to make this like this transition out the side and then back to the center yep. and then go in essentially what was like a single leg X. From the single leg X position, yep. he is in a, again, I, 2021, I'm going to learn all the bullshit <laughs> lapel stuff. I'm gonna Heard that in a, 2020. Yeah, but like 2020 was a cluster. 2020 was just survive. You know, the, the scene in Tropic Thunder now streaming on Netflix, um, which is just Robert Downey oh Jr. God. going survive. That was 2020. 2021, I'm going to learn the lapel names. Um, and so he was in some magical lapel shit that was essentially a uh, lasso guard. Yeah. But it was a lasso guard variation. Well, it, was, it was. I think we've seen it before. I think... Um, I've seen it before. I've seen it a lot. Because I'm at the weight class that these guys yeah. fight at. Yes, I've seen but it all the time. But we've seen this even at higher weight classes, you know, middle light middle heavy um yeah, they don't do it's it like 50 50 uh, but with the lapel fed through underneath a leg correct but under both legs yeah and that, that was legs. the difference here is that Souza had the lapel under both legs on yeah. the single leg x and then he opens his hips up slides out makes a really nice transition of his bottom or top leg over into almost like what is like an entry to an omoplata from there yeah and it was just this beautiful like sequence that there was not a lot of fluff in the middle of it there was it was a very defined like black belt level movement where it's like my leg goes out, my leg goes in, my leg goes here. Yep. And there was no off balance from Gripper. It was just in free space. Yep. Who's able to make three adjustments into this position. <clears throat> and it was just beautiful to watch. And really nice climbing grip control, yes. like sequential grip changes that are coordinated with the the changes in his foot pressure and, and leg position. Like it was a really interesting progression yeah very very technical super cool to see from a position that you don't see very often i don't think a lot of people practice dealing with reverse mount 
I mean, yeah. maybe at that level you have enough time when you're training full time to, to work that position in every once in a while, but it's not something that like I've ever gone to. It's something I've never, I, it's I've something never I show, there. it's something I show in my classes once a year. As like, well, I, as like, but it's one in the, (laughs) one in the club. It's part of like my job as like a club instructor is like, Hey, it's my job. You're going to be here for in college for two to four years, depending on how dumb you are, um, (laughs) is to show you like what's available in jujitsu so that if you want to keep training after you leave, I give you the framework to like, I've seen this before. Sure. Like, Hey, that one time Maine taught that class where we talked about, this was a position that existed. (laughs) So that's, that's my, one of my once a year, like, Hey, 10 minutes, this is a position that exists. Here's what your goals are. Here's what you got to worry about. Sure. And then that's it. But That makes sense. But, I, but about once a year, I teach this, like, this is reverse mount class. And I saw it. I was like, look at that, reverse mount. Yeah. The position um, that everyone forgets about. But so that was the most interesting part of that match, I think. And then there were some more sort of, like, grip exchanges, some more 50-50. Yeah. Um, I think really, like... It was a very good match. I thought Souza was definitely on the bottom more, but was definitely putting up the offense, was definitely forcing the positional changes. Um, the momentum, he he was driving the momentum of the match yes. most of the time. Most of the off-balancing attempts, again, because he was on the bottom, mm-hmm. were on Souza. I think Grippo never really got close to any significant pass. Good grip work from both sides, mm-hmm. but again, when Souza wins the decision here, I thought, okay, that's yeah, a very reasonable decision. Not a whole lot of submission attempts, but Souza has a nice flying triangle like set up at the beginning, has a kind of an omoplata triangle, set up towards the middle of the match mm-hmm. overall a really fun match i'll probably want to go back and actually rewatch because um like that the gripping sequences here i think are yeah, stuff that i need to start internalizing and learning about i think both of these guys are they tend to have very defined reasons for doing what they do yep. and so they're both guys that are really great to tape study because it's all stuff like i think neither one is like a freak athlete and they're all doing stuff with a purpose and a reason. And so they're both guys I tend to like look at tape study for because it's not like, uh, who's a good example? Of, like Landry Lowe yeah. can just like make <laughs> up something mid-match that works. Like yeah. in, in his addressing of like a lot of Keenan's lapel stuff, it's like, yeah, Keenan, yeah, Landry just figured it out halfway through the match and like put me on the defensive here for this thing. Yeah. You know, it's like there's no, like Lowe has never worked that, but he can figure it out. These two guys are very much inside the meta of the featherweight, the lightweight, yeah. the light featherweight division, like those divisions there, understanding like what I should, why I should be gripping here yeah. and what the correct sequence of grips very to do intentional. is. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, very intentional. So I'm going to go back and watch this uh, this week because I'm going to try to learn more lapel yeah. stuff yeah. slowly. But yeah, fun match, um, really technically entertaining match. Yep. On to the next match. Um, I, go, I got the Pedro wrong last week. Uh, I said this was Pedro Mourinho. It was not Pedro Mourinho. It was Pedro Rocha, uh, Gal Gabriel Rocha's brother, uh, most notably known for also the guillotine. So the dynamic of the match, honestly, I got correct in last week's preview, (laughs) but wrong guy. Uh, So Pedro Rocha uh, defeated Oliver Taza via decision. Um, Two... Guillotine attempts, or sorry, one, one guillotine attempt that ended up with a weird reset. We'll talk about here in a second, mm-hmm. and then a pretty solid uh, chin uh, chin pick, yeah. neck crank off to the side, yeah. um, and that was for the most part the what offense that Pedro put up. Taza was trying to enter into the legs a uh, bunch, and Hosha really did a good job either getting around or like staving off those attempts. I mean, you know, when you fight Oliver Taza, 
that that is what he is looking to do at all times. You know, he'll take a neck if he can, but really he wants to invert underneath you, turn you over, get a knee bar, get a heel hook. And so Hosha does a really good job preventing that. There was definitely some weirdness in this match in one of the first initial guillotine attempts that Pedro Hosha gets. I'm not, it was not unclear what was happening, but Taza was complaining about something. Or saying something like, we, the the broadcast couldn't figure it out and the ref never said anything after, but it looked like, um, it looked like Hosha had, this is what I think happened again. This could be entirely wrong. This is just what I think happened. And if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, not always correct. <laughs> um, Pedro Hosha had like a guillotine. And I think Pedro Hosha was peeling Taza's fingers off. Yeah. And he was trying to get a better grip on the neck. And so he's pulling on Taza's fingers, trying to get underneath. Yeah. And Taza went like, hey, man. He pointed to his fingers like, hey, man, he's grabbing my fingers. You can't do that. Yeah. And the ref looked and went, hey, man, you're grabbing his fingers. You can't do that. So they reset and they reset But it was back like the a weird situation where they broke him up and then... Hosha thought that he had won or something like that for a split second. Like the his response was his very response was strange. Really interesting. It was like I'm not really. That's kind of weird. Yeah, his response was really strange. Like I think he thought he might have thought that he got the tap or something like that, and then there was some discussion about what the hell was going on, and then they reset them and tried to reset them back in the exact same spot in the guillotine, but in the center of the mat. It was. The reset was interesting, but again, it's always weird resetting with a submission. Right. Like we we've talked about this agnostic in the show over the years of like, do you reset in the submission? Do you not? And it's like at the end of the day, it's like both guys are good with it, and the ref is like good with it. Like you do whatever makes everyone yeah. happy, and if they're both willing to start back in that position again, good. But again, anytime. So I think that this it, this probably progressed in the exact same way that it would have had they not yeah. reset. I don't think that with again as a guillotine connoisseur. <laughs> um, I don't think that Pedro Hosher was in a, p- a so. position uh, available to finish the guillotine because he, he was on again, his side. He was selling it. Yeah, definitely. Like he was. When but that in the, the fight position to win, was you do not. That. Yeah. Posi- I mean, the only way that I could see that maybe it was going to happen because he had the arm in. Is and he so maybe he could have like, to a Darce. Yeah, he might. That's what I was kind of thinking. He might have been able to change it into a Darce. But I don't really I know Pedro Hosher as a Darce guy. Yeah, I don't think I've seen it. I mean, it doesn't mean that it's not a, an option. I mean, he's a like, he's a high level black belt. Like he knows how to darse people. Yeah, they, they they know how to do it. It just he would have had to cover a lot of ground to he do would that. Have. And I just think that Taza would have like disengaged enough because Taza's not going to sit, put his head there. And he and do also that. kept kind of like rolling through with the guillotine in a way that told me that he wasn't really thinking about moving to the Dars, but that's the the only way that I would have seen him finish. The hand position wasn't rolling at all. Then if you're going to have someone roll into a Dars, you're going to stay in the same place. They're going to roll and you're going to slot your hands through as they roll. Hosha was staying square and center with the chest and the shoulders for Taza obviously looking for an arm and guillotine variation or like a regular high elbow or just standard guillotine. Yeah there and so i don't i think the reset was fine again it was a little weird yeah but i didn't really have honestly it, an issue with the yeah, reset i don't think it impacted the direction of the match as yeah. much as some of those resets in a submission might but but in the end uh taza did get out of that and i thought that mm-hmm. he was going to even when before they had reset yeah, yeah, definitely um there was another attempt that started with a guillotine and ended with uh hosha in side control with the chin grip I, I love and then this. leaning back. I love like, this neck crank. It's it's a legit thing. And you, it, you know this neck crank. Of course I know this yeah. neck crank. Yeah. This is one that's really great because if you do it, it's going to sound really weird than I say it. I, in my head, it was not as weird. Now it sounds weird. If you do it right, you hear their back and neck go as you, yeah. as you finish it. And um, yeah. this is something that I only usually do like big guys that don't think you can do it because I'm a tiny, tiny man. Yeah. And they'll let you kind of like, oh, I'll fight with my neck. And then I get 
you slide your chest and body right up next to the shoulders, and then you slide and you get to crank, much like uh, Josh Barnett on Dean Lister. <laughs> Which, for filling everyone in, uh, Zach and I got into, what, a 20-minute argument yeah, yeah. earlier this week about that match. If you haven't seen that match in Metamorphosis, I think two, two or three, or three it's one of those. Um, go back and watch it. First time Dean Lister got tapped with a very similar, not similar. No, it was a case of Katame. It was a case of Katame uh, chest compression yeah. move. Um, but again, yeah. I'm, a big fan, I'm a big fan of these kind of moves yeah. because they're funny. Um. I don't do this to people because I'm too big and it's fucking mean unless, you know, they're my same size or they have it coming. That's reasonable. <laughs> but it was a legitimate attempt. I think that actually that was closer uh, of an oh, attempt yeah. than the guillotine was. And you Ooh. can kind of see it in Taz's face that, like, he was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, he he wasn't ready to it tap. It didn't look finishable, but, but it looked uncomfortable as shit. One of those, like... Taza had to respond. I'm not going to tap to this, but I'm also not going to, like, chill here either. Yeah. I'm going to, like, actively look to defend. Yep. And then Hosha... Does the thing where, what I love to see as well with guys at the top level, you keep the sub in. Yeah, I'm not going to finish it, but I know it sucks. So I'm going to keep the sub in and keep like going through the motion of the sub, mm-hmm. knowing it's not going to finish, but making you defend the entire the submission yep. and not just trying to let it go and, and keep the position. I'm more than happy to have the scramble here. And I think in the fight to win rule set, that was something that we talked about before the show is like, that is what you should be doing doing actually yeah, strategically like, that's you, what you should need be to holding do. on to that sub strategically as long as possible yeah. i think it actually makes when we were saying this i think it actually might make for bad jujitsu overall because the rules encourage you to hold i mean in this case it's not in this case i think that that was a fine thing to do but and I a think, smart thing to do but, but I, I think, think he knew he wasn't going to finish yeah but normally what you do here is you hold you turn and then when they're about to escape you'd let go and reset to the side control position mm-hmm. versus like cause a scramble like toss is able to like implement here because in fight to win, the submission is king. Going for submission attempts wins you matches. A submission attempt is worth more than something positional. So you're you are obligated to hold on to an attempt of a submission longer, even when it is even when it is positionally detrimental to you. And it's in the long and when term. you're never going to hit it because the longer right. you hold on to something, the more it's going to click in the judges' heads that yes. this is. What I think in the post that's that fight to win made it was yeah. Seth made a post about like yeah. talking about the attempts versus near submissions and so yeah. if you can hang on to it for two extra seconds they might count it as a near submission which is worth five points five yes. times more than a submission attempt and yes. so it's probably better in most cases based on the rule set to give up even mount if you're gonna get your submission attempt yes. and then you're confident that you can defend the mount. Like give up position no matter what, if you can hold on to a submission attempt for an extra two seconds, because that might be five points and win you the match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's, just, it's that's it's the a, way that the rules are it's an are, interesting dynamic and it's something that we've seen a lot more recently as guys are people are people are playing that rules. Guys game are holding on to subs that they're not gonna get way longer than they used to two years ago and holding on to positions that are not even subs that they're trying to make look like a sub oh you mean the 50 50 ankle locks yeah oh my god they're killing me but the like 50 50 ankle locks are like toe holds in the last 10 seconds don't count but I, like, I think uh, Emil and I joke on the show, all, like yeah. leg locks in the last 10 seconds of a match do not count. But we see it with guillotines a lot, too, because mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing that you can just like make a vein pop in your head because you're squeezing so hard and people go, oh, that's that looks like a real one. Yeah. You know, like there's things that there's a there's quite a few submissions that you can 
apply this weekly is in no way directed towards Pedro. Oh yeah, like, yeah, no, I'm yeah, no longer yeah, talking like, about that. We're look, just talking also, about the about rule set rules in general. in general and rules because I love talking about rules. But I'm saying like Pedro Hosha did exactly what he should have done yeah, here, which yeah, is hold absolutely. on to the guillotine as long as possible because yeah. per like the win criteria for fight yeah. to win, like that is what you should be doing. So yeah, no, that's right. And also, it didn't in this particular case. I think one of the things that we're talking about is is when this might be when this might be encouraging uh, jujitsu in a way that is maybe not optimum yeah. is in scenarios where you're going to give up crazy position in order yes. to hold on to something a little bit longer to make it look like you're, you have a sub yes. close in this particular case, Pedro, he gave up half guard over side control, which in this scenario was, there's no difference between those two right. positions here. Especially with how, um, how Toss is going to play off yeah. of that. It's like, he's going to do, he's going to give you almost the same stuff versus yeah. either position there until you're going to have the same thing yeah. to respond off. Of. No, so, it was, it was the right thing for him to do. It was yes. the smart thing for him to do. And it wasn't shady in, by any means. And I, re- or, I realized or it was like, we were kind of getting yeah. off the lead there. I was yeah. like, let me make sure I'm glad we brought that back to so like, be like, Hey, like this is what he should have been doing. Yeah. But this kind of led into a much larger discussion we had off air with, with, how hard you wait submission attempts and again given you know we had a lot of very very close matches on this week's fight mm-hmm. to win and like a lot of matches that were i saw them one way judges saw them another way i saw them the same way judges like there's a lot yeah. of and again it's not it's not that i think or i think that this is the case for you too that these rules should be changed at all it's just an interesting observation yeah that that I think people are playing to the rules of fight to win more. And I think two years ago, fight to win was a little bit more close to the chest about what their scoring was and what their rules were. And they were changing them kind of regularly. Well, and, I, and I do, that's one thing I really do appreciate about fight to win is like what Seth will make rule changes like frequently. Like sure. if something's getting gained or like they don't know where it's like where it's going and they don't like, Oh, they heard, there's an issue with something like, he next event will like make a rule change. Like, yeah. I appreciate that. That's not this like long standing yeah. stonewalled process. That's like, okay, we know it's, we know this is an issue, but like, uh, we're just not going to change it because we're not going to change it. But it's like, that's like, Oh, that was an issue last week. Cool. You can't do that anymore. Yeah. Well, like this is like, I, I appreciate I that. that because Seth at the end of the day is the guy that makes the decisions. He's also the guy that'll make the post and take the flack of like, Hey, the decision was wrong. It's like, here are our scoring criteria. Yeah. Here's why it was scored this way. And sure. like, and he won't hide behind like, Oh, it's our rules. Like, Hey, here is why it was done. Mm-hmm. Agree. Don't agree. Fight harder. So it's like, yeah. man, props to those guys. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I, I'm, I'm not critiquing what's happening at all. It's just more an observation about, how interesting it is that a meta can evolve based on rules and that people, it seems more and more like people are, are playing the fight to win game rather than just doing jujitsu altogether. Yeah, and I, I think I that's agree. normal and it's going to happen no matter what the rule yeah, set it happens, is. It happens in any rule set in ever. Like yep. every single event that we have covered that has run one event and then run a second <laughs> event, that second event yep. has looked way different because guys have figured out a way to like work within that rule set more effectively yeah. it's like it's it is honestly the most interesting thing that i think one of the most interesting things I think one of the most interesting things we see regularly is like event to event how like athletes figure stuff out because it, yeah. it's just like that the, the evolution of jitsu and like how to win yeah so it was neat gamesmanship's cool all right so uh, let's move on to the previews we'll run through the i'll run through the uh the rest of the card at the end of the show. Um, I'm going to switch it up this week. Yeah, Crazy. That makes sense to me. Um, moving on to our preview for who's number one, Craig Jones versus Ronaldo Jr. Uh, we also have Gordon Ryan versus Roberto Jimenez. We have Gabby Garcia versus Natalia De Jesus. We have Gio Martinez versus Junior Casio. We have Andrew Wilson versus PJ Barch. On the undercard, actually free on YouTube and Facebook, which is neato. Um, Jessica Khan versus Daniel Kelly, which should be a really great yeah, match. That's be and a Jacob Katz versus Elder Cruz. Jacob Couch. 
versus Elder Cruz should be a really fun match. If you're if you don't have flow, which I would assume if you listen to the show, you probably do. But if you don't, um, watch them on YouTube and Facebook. Yeah. So where do you want to start with the previews for these matches, Zach? Uh, start at the top. I mean, I think that's a good rule of thumb for these kinds of things. Craig Jones versus Ronaldo Jr., 195-pound ni- catch weight. I got Craig Jones via outside heel hook. What do you think? I think that's a safe bet. I do like Ronaldo here. Um, I I love Ronaldo. I love Ronaldo in the gi. Yeah. He's, I was going to say, I'm not sure I like Ronaldo in no gi in this match, right? Well, like, we saw him versus Wagner. And yeah. the Wagner match was, like, that was, I think, the most recent time we've seen him in no gi. Yeah. And the Wagner match was just a, it was a weird match. And that was when Wagner stepped in as a late replacement for Gordon Ryan because yep. Gordon got COVID and it was like this whole weird thing. And then the it was like it was a very close, very kind of yep. like it was a like more close match than I would have liked to have Ronaldo's next opponent be Craig Jones. Yeah, that's that's really in my head like why I'm kind of making the Craig Jones pick. Sure. We've seen Wagner versus Craig a couple of times. Um, first one was EBI. Wagner took it in overtime. Second one was Sug. Craig took it. Yeah, Sug has weird rules, though. The, the Craig match was weird for Wagner. Yeah. Um, it, they're both EBI rules, but yeah, yeah the Sug and EBI have weird rules where I don't think it's really representative of yeah. a lot of things. But I, I just feel like Ronaldo, Craig is going to, we know, I mean, the dynamic of this match is Ronaldo's a really great passer. He's yeah. really great in the gi. He's got really good no gi, and he's very athletic. He's very long, kind of a very similar build to Craig Jones. Mm-hmm. You know, very long, very lanky, uses those for his subs, the triangles, the arm bars. Like, you know, he is a big, big finisher, and yep. we see that a lot of long, lanky guys are. But I feel like he's going to stand too close to Craig Jones at one point, and Craig Jones is going to do what Craig Jones does, especially I'm ge- I'm guessing this is a 15-minute match. Yeah. It's your headline match. The Gordon Ryan match is the match underneath this is a 30-minute match, but Gordon typically has longer matches. Yeah. So I'm guessing this is at minimum a 10-minute match, if not a 15-minute match. And I just think that, like, Craig does... Craig does a bunch of things, but like recently, Craig does like the thing Craig does, which yeah. is I'm gonna invert on you, I'm gonna flip, I'm gonna flip you over, I'm gonna grab your leg, and I'm gonna break your leg. But we haven't seen Craig against someone as dynamic on top, especially while still on his feet, mm-hmm. as Ronaldo Jr. is in a while. Yeah, right. Craig's matches have been ex- excellent competitors, but I don't think we've seen him against someone that is as mobile. And as I also think the gamesmanship of Ronaldo here is very good. Like yeah. Ronaldo, Ronaldo is not a dumb game planner. Like no. he comes from that Atos camp, and those guys are all notoriously just amazing for like how they game plan for specific matches. They've fought guys like Craig before. They fought Craig before. Mm-hmm. That Jim Andre will prepare Ronaldo very well for how to deal with Craig stylistically. And we saw like we've seen the Atos guys shut down very adept leg lockers before. We saw Rafael Geddes shut down Elizabeth Clay's game yep. on a recent who's number one. Or who's number one, or uh, what's the woman's card for fight to win? It might have been fight to win. One of those two, but like again, we saw somebody out from the Athos camp implement a very different game plan versus a very adept leg locker. We've seen it in the past. It wouldn't hugely surprise me to have Rolando be have just particularly prepared to stay on the outside, get away from Craig's inversions, hands on the heels, hands on the feet, hands on the shins, hands on the chest, really keeping Craig away and like using the Kimura grip on the top to prevent Craig from being able to go over and invert. I I just think that Lano has a bunch of tools at his disposal here, but Craig just, and he's, but Craig is used to guys doing that is going to need one 
chance to get under. I think Craig's the favorite, and I think I still pick Craig to win, but I don't think it's as obvious as most Craig Jones matches are for me on this one. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how he does in this match at this time, mm-hmm. right? It's been a weird year and he's been at Craig Jones has been active. Yes, certainly. I just haven't seen him against someone that fights like Ronaldo does mm-hmm. recently. And also and the, the game, like the, the fight IQ, like Ronaldo yeah. has, a, has very, very good fight IQ. Yeah. And I think that's one of the pieces that a lot of folks in this matchup are overlooking yeah. is like how well Ronaldo can plan. And like, he's super young still. He's been on the rise. He's been getting better and better and better. It's just, I look at the Wagner match and it's kind of, I mean, I have, I have more concerns about how he's going to be able to deal with Craig's game, which is like specifically designed about pulling you into his mm-hmm. game. It's like, does he have the ability to be as active as he wants to be while not walking accidentally yeah. into Craig's game. That's going to be an interesting thing to look for. So I still am going to favor Craig via he- via like heel hook here, but I- I'm and the more I look about it, and kind of looked at the match, the more mm-hmm. I was like, ah, this actually isn't isn't quite as easy as I thought yeah. for Jones. Like Ronaldo brings a lot to the table. I'm excited here. about it. I think it's going to be a great match. Mm-hmm. Next month we have Gordon Ryan versus Roberto Jimenez, a heavyweight thirty minute match. Yep. So this is happening because uh, Nikki Ryan had to drop out for reasons. Uh, yeah, actually, right? I forgot. I don't know that's, why. I, I, correct, right? I, I thought I knew a couple of weeks Nikki ago. Nikki might have got hurt. I think he... I'm guessing he, he, I'm guessing he, he did. Hurt. That would make sense why this matchup happened. So Gordon Ryan, his older brother, uh, steps in versus Roberto Jimenez. It's a big jump for Jimenez. It, I mean, he's yeah, he's got some is. wins in the gi against... Excellent competitors. He's got good nogi wins too. He's got good nogi wins, but I've been consistently less impressed with his nogi than his gi. Uh, Personally, and back and forth. I think. I think. I think he's, a, I, well, okay. Let me. Roberto's a guy to me that's very matchup dependent. Oh, I was going to say very volatile in terms of his game, which maybe is maybe it ends up being yeah, yeah, matchup but I mean, dependent, he's, but like. Yeah, matchup and volatile. Like he is going to go and press a pace and push action on you and try to make you uncomfortable and like hit you with his cardio. Continue. Like look at the exactly the hence match. Yeah. Look at um like pick any sort of Roberto Jimenez match we've covered in the last year. He comes at you looking to prove a point, looking yeah. to put you on the defensive. He looks to throw you into close guard and get on your back and choke you. Like that's where he wants to be. Uh-huh. We've seen him have a couple of weird matches with leg locks though his match versus craig jones that was under two minutes i think it was like 45 seconds where craig jones where he got in the guard craig jones inverted craig jones took his leg off we saw his match versus felipe andrew recently where he decided to go into leg locks with felipe andrew felipe andrew got a toe hold and it was we've seen him a couple of times go into leg lock battles with guys that are very adept leg lockers and not come out on top that is what I'm concerned with here, given that Gordon Ryan, aside from Craig Jones, is one of the most adept leg lockers yeah. in the sport. And also, I mean, Gordon Ryan is, I mean, Gordon Ryan's good at everything. But yeah. I think when I've seen him in matches and thought, holy shit, that was something fucking else. It's been when people come at him aggressively. Yes. Like he is, he is exceptional at jujitsu, period. He is astounding in matchups where people try to take the action to him aggressively. And that's, and something, that's that, something that Roberto Jimenez does right. and wins matches off of. But you're doing it against a person that is probably the best in the world and is almost definitely the best in the world at dealing with that. Yeah. I mean, that's why you see the matches for Gordon that haven't been as good, like the Bouchesha match at ADCC. It was like Bouchesha gave him 
fuck all to nothing. work with. Gave him nothing. And as a result, like that was a very close. But those yeah. like, those kind of thing, Roberto, which is why we love Jimenez, is not a yeah. guy to give us that kind of match. No. But Gordon, on kind of what you said, it was like he's the best in the world at who you want to fight him super hard and like come at him with everything you got. Like the Deniz match recently was like Deniz made one little overcorrection in one position. Yep. And Gordon came out the back and got the heel hook. Um, pick any any other Gordon match. You know, look at his match versus Tex Johnson with, like, the attritive passing of the close mm-hmm. guard over and over again. Like, I'm honestly curious to see if Roberto actually just pulls Gordon. I think the best course of act, the best thing Roberto can do here probably is pull Gordon into close guard, double underhook, the, kind of that beautiful back take sequence that Jimenez mm-hmm. does. Yeah. And then, like, force Gordon to, like, pry him away because Jimenez is a guy... We've seen very few guys actually able to pry his face away from the double underhook uh, close guard game. Like, can he get Gordon's back? I mean, I don't. I don't think mm. he can, and I don't think he can finish. But that is his pathway to victory here. Probably. Um, It'll be. I mean, I think everyone. I think most people. Probably not Roberto. Think which is why I like Roberto. <laughs> think Gordon Ryan's going to come out on top on this. Yeah. I would love to see Roberto Jimenez win this match, not because I have anything against Gordon Ryan, but because upsets are cool. They're so um, cool. But uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, again, I, so how do you think How do you think it goes? How do you think it finishes? Honestly, I think Gordon ends up taking the back and finishing yeah. him that way. I, I kind of do, too. I think like, that I know he's, Re- gonna, he's going to either pass and then let him up and then Turtle, or he's going to... Honestly, I could see this being very similar to the Felipe... Uh, not Felipe Pena. Um, the Deniz match, where he passes, gets on top, sustains Mount for a while to, like, yeah. show that he can do it. And that, well, Honestly, because like, yeah. that's that's a big piece of that we talk about of Gordon's matches, is, like, whatever DVD Gordon has coming out, <laughs> like, he will... He'll try use to do that. that match to like showcase why you should buy his DVD, which yeah. is like, but like he does it repeatedly. So it kind of like, yeah. I, I'm curious to see what if Gordon has been shooting additional footage or instructional amount DVD, but, but really like that's, sense. that's a thing that he's done four plus four or five times yeah. at this point is like, he will go into matches specifically pushing a thing instructional footage. And then he does. So yeah, Again, a mount, I could see a back take, I could see where they could choke. That would not surprise me at all. Yeah. Um Yeah, that's that's how I think that's gonna go. Yeah, that's probably it. Next match we have Gabby Garcia versus Natalia de Jesus. Interestingly enough, Natalia de Jesus has a win over Gabby Garcia in the Gi. If she defeats her in Nogi, she will be the only woman that has a victory over her in Gi and Nogi. Fun fact. Fun fact. Thanks, yeah. uh, the guys at Flow, for that one. <laughs> Listen to their preview show. I was like, what did they got for this? And then when they went off, I was like, that's a really interesting stat. I'm yeah. going to take that and talk to all the listeners about that. <laughs> um, I think I'd take Gabby on this, though. Gabby's so hard to beat Nogi. And- I, I, I agree. There's an interesting thing, though, because when the, G- the Jesus beat her, or got lost to her at Pans, I think. Yep. Um, she was like, I know how to beat her. And then when they rematched, she implemented how to beat her. This match could look very, very similar to the match that we saw them in a year ago or so at Fight to Win. And Jesus could come out on top. But Garcia has historically been so hard to beat in Nogi. That's, 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 yeah, that's, that's the, the thing. thing. I think in Gi, and so like that match, it's been a long time since I've seen it. But that match where Jesus won in Gi, she was 
able to use the gi yes. to make that happen. Yes. Right? Like, Very much so. It's, Gabby Garcia is just such an athletic woman that mm-hmm. it, you need to have some tool at your disposal to sort of negate some of that athleticism in order yeah. to come out on top. And you have far less tools available to you in no gi to make that happen. Yeah, and okay. I think I mean that's why I think that's why she's very much she's much more difficult to beat no gi than gi mm-hmm. um, is that athleticism factor and she can't, you can't get her off you, you like can't. That's, you cannot create the space that you need to start working with Gabby Garcia in no gi like in yeah, gi you, you have something to pull against and the frame against and to utilize as a space creation device yeah. in no gi and just Garcia is the best in the world at like. I'm going to impose my will, utilize my size, get on top, flatten you out, and stop you from being able to put up anything. anything. Again, yeah. I'm I'm super excited for this one. This one, I, I'm going to lean Garcia. Watching to Jesus take this one would not surprise me in the slightest. Though. No. Like, this is yeah. one there. I th- I'm, I'm, I'm picking Garcia. It wouldn't be Garcia. a huge upset in my mind, but... Uh, I wouldn't even be surprised. I'm saying, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, okay. So, you said you'd be a little surprised? I'd be a little surprised, but not... I wouldn't say I didn't believe that that could happen. I think that it can happen. I, mm-hmm. I most certainly think that it can happen. I'd still be a little surprised because just Gabby's history and Nogi. But I think she's but, like sixty something, seventy something matches in a row. Nogi victory. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to pick against that. It's very hard to pick against that. But but I if think someone's gonna do it, it's just that's what I'm saying. If, yeah. if something if somebody gonna is it. gonna do it, it's gonna be Natalia Jesus. That's why I'm very very excited for this matchup yeah. because uh, Jesus has the most recent win. Yeah. Over Garcia, and so. I think seeing that Nogi and Jesus has been improving her game. She's fe- dealt with Garcia. She knows what to deal with. I assume that Garcia is going to go into this game with the same thing that Garcia has utilized for the last couple of years. Like when she, the Jesus goes into this match knowing exactly what Gabby Garcia is going to do yeah. because she has felt Gabby Garcia do it. And Gabby Garcia has not significantly changed how she wants to go into a match in the last few years, at least. No, she hasn't needed th- to. And I think that Jesus will have made changes, and that's what I'm curious about. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Hmm. Next match, anything else on that? Nope. We got Gio Martinez taking on Junior Acasio. Gio's going to be a little bit of a bigger guy here, but I'm actually really amped about this matchup. Gio yeah. took a really close match over Paula Miao at a recent who's number one. Um, these guys are fighting for one of the top ranks at, I think, 66. Mm-hmm. Um Junior's been looking real good lately. Geo's a great test for him. I'm excited yeah. about it. I think it's a it's a really nice matchup. Um, we're gonna, guys a- are going to go for the leg locks. Like we're yeah, going to oh, see, but, yeah, we, but interestingly enough, we have seen Martinez implement way more passing recently. You know, that's that's what won his match versus um, Paulo was yeah. like the passing attempts and like go like that's where he was strong. And so Akasi, I think, is going to pull here. I think is going to go for the legs, and I'm curious to see if he's going to be able to get away or he's going to be able to deal with Acasio's entries yeah. and pass off of them because that's something we've seen him consistently be able to do very, very well is strip the leg grips, free the knee line. But Acasio finishes super weird. Yeah. Acasio doesn't necessarily need your knee line to leg lock you because he uses a lot of like underhook grips with his leg and hip grips and pri- like yeah. Acasio has a weird leg lock game and him and Cummings were the only guys that we really see play that game yep. and a little bit with Lachlan but like Acasio is in his own league with the way that he leg locks and I'm very curious to see how Martinez will deal with that. I think Martinez is the bigger guy here when Martinez does tend to use his size and range very, very effectively. Yeah. Um, and I think the most parallel we have is the match with uh, Kennedy. Did Gio fight Kennedy? 
Uh, I don't know. I want to. I want to say he did. I know we just saw it recently. Juni went up in weight to fight uh, Kennedy Masayel, um, Cabrinha Jr. And yeah, he did. They just oh, he okay. just lost via decision. At who's number one? Uh, kind of Duarte versus. Uh, they don't list off. Oh yeah, by the way, props to Flow. They now have a BJJ heroes like yeah. um, page for all the fighters that have. All the wins and losses, and, and actually links to the video, which, which is, is I've won. I've talked. I have talked about this on the show since 2017. Yeah, this is supposed to be in news, but I forgot about it. You're getting it now. Yeah, since yeah, yeah, 2017, yeah. I have talked about this on the show. I am so happy to when actually I see it. First, got my flow account. I was blown away that it didn't exist. Yeah, and. I'm very, very happy it does. Because it's most, the biggest. It was the most important change that they could have possibly made. I'm so excited! I want them to yeah. to expand the columns a little bit so that stuff's not cut off. Fine, whatever. Yeah. Like, other than that, visuals. So excited. The 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 fact that they put together the database, which I think was was probably holding them back, is just. Oh, it's it's an. We tried to do it. It's an astronomical yeah. undertaking to do that. Yeah, it's and very it's difficult. Done to, now, and it's like holy shit! It's amazing. Like right? it's going to make tape study. So much easier. Yeah, I'm yeah. so excited. It's, I, it's, I am uh, giddy for it. It's the resource that I've been wanting since 2010. Yeah, you know, it's it's a, an incredible. It's what I wanted change. BJJ Heroes to have. Yeah, and now essentially we kind of have it for things that are available on Flow. Yeah, and but I love too. They have stuff listed that's not on Flow. Yeah, like it's they nice have, that they, they have the non-Flow. It, you, can't you can't the watch the matches the there, but it shows you what it was and where it was too. Yep. And there's still some issues here and there. There's a lot of stuff for. Um, the people that aren't like in the top 10 rankings right now in all the divisions that are just like listed as other and this, like it's obviously a work in progress, yeah, but fine. They have it for everyone. I looked at, I spent some time through coursing through like everyone they have listed currently that's in the top tens mm-hmm. has information and has like matchups listed. So it's, it's for shit like this yeah. where it's like, did he fight him? Click, click. He did fight him so much. So, so they apparently both have losses to Masayel. Um, Recently, and it's I think they're both their most recent matches. Um, I'm very very curious to see. Yeah, I think I I think I I like Junie for this one. I think Junie's been doing real well lately. I've really liked his progression. I think that he's I think that he's he's not bigger, but I think he might have uh, an athleticism advantage against Geo at this point. Um, Geo's getting a little older. Joe's getting a little older. Yeah. Junie's still very young. There's a big age gap there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited New about Black it. Belt, I hungry for it. Yep. Like I think Junie has a lot to prove here. And he's and he's technically very sound and getting better. Oh every God, match. he's only like, getting better. Like he, we've, we've he's watched been him really active we've been this year. Casio since he was a purple belt. Yeah. When he won the Kasai Pro qualifier, and it was like, who's this purple belt that submitted like four black belts to win this like black belt invitational qual? Like who is this dude? Yeah. And then he got an EBI, and it's like we've just I've seen we have watched his game just continue to skyrocket yep. improve you know I, I i'm very hot on acasio still and yeah. i think that potentially he could upset martinez here and so i think so yeah should be a, should be a fun match really excited for the rankings perspective for this one uh next match we have andrew wilsey versus pj barch uh super interesting matchup because we have two kind of power pressure heavy wrestlers that yep. can also play guard that can also footlock that can also attack arms and legs like these are two guys kind of much like the dante versus gary leon gary leon dante leon versus gary tona match where it's like these are two guys that are really dangerous everywhere yeah uh, i think wiltsy is much more the guard player than barch here and i'm curious to see if how much trouble we're going to see him give 
Barch in the guard. That's where I'm guessing this match is going to take place. Yeah. But we also saw some great top positional work in his match versus John Combs. Um, I'm super. I mean, this is again. We've not seen a ton from Barch recently because he's coming off that big knee injury yeah. after West Coast Trials 2019. He did have a match kind of recently. He that did. He looked. He looked pretty good. And if I remember correctly, I mean, he's, he looked good. We, we covered him. I think two yeah, matches I think I might recently. Have been, I might have covered that, that um, match with you. And he fought. Uh, oh yeah, Ethan Crowlinson. And I remember that he he lost that match, but looked really good in the mm-hmm. process. Right. He. Yeah. He was in good position. It was a close match. Ended in overtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, overtime submission underground. So it was, an, it was a very short five minute yeah. EBI or EB, I mean uh, submission only match and then an overtime match. Yeah, um, that Carlson defeats him in overtime. I think it was ride time. I think is what it was. Um, but looked really good in the match. So yeah. Wiltsy's been on a tear recently. He's been getting a lot of big profile matches um, and showing up for him. Yeah. So I don't. Again, I don't. I don't know who to I pick don't on this really one. Know here. I kind of want to pick. Wiltsy, just because he's on the hot streak, he's been looking really, really good in Nogi. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, again, when it's one of those matches where I have a lot of data on a guy recently versus a guy we haven't covered a ton recently. And I his last two matches have been, he is off an injury, and his last two matches have been losses. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm going to lean Wiltsy here. Um, again, victory for Barcher wouldn't surprise me. A sub victory for, actually, a sub victory for Wiltsy would surprise me, but I would I could see Wiltsy getting a decision here. Um, Super young, super athletic, not coming off injury. Yeah. Uh, Looks good. good. So pre-prelims, we have Jessica Khan versus Daniel Kelly. Again, a really, really fun matchup. Jessica Khan, new ALJ Black Belt. Daniel Kelly, Athos Black Belt? I think so. Which is really funny because those two teams were linked until very, yeah, very, very recently. recently. So I'm guessing um, that they've Daniel, trained together. Yeah, probably. Um, mm-hmm. But Daniel Kelly's been looking really good lately. Mm-hmm. Couple, couple really strong good, wins. And Khan's still very new, but has looked great forever. Yep. Um, look at Khan's uh, match. Again, she lost the match, but look at her match versus Misa Bastos. Yeah, I mean, AJ. losing to Misa Bastos is this early into Black Belt is not necessarily something that's a, a detriment to her. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's. I think it's going to be an exciting matchup. It's a good test for Jessica Khan and Daniel Kelly's on the rise. She's been looking really good in Fight to Win. I don't think we've seen her outside of Fight to Win. I think we have, and it's killing me because I can't. Oh, really? I can't. Pick I can't think of it. Where? Um, but I know I've been really impressed with her overall and yeah. con we've been following for years now have been super impressed but this is a yep. fun match this is like a really dope match for a, for a free match on youtube and yeah. facebook it's a great I definitely mean, watch this match can't wait to talk about this next week uh next match we have jacob couch versus elder cruz another fun match watch jacob couch's match versus uh cody Steele yeah. at kasai pro 7 if you're curious to see what couch looks like um elder cruz been on fight to win a bunch uh should be should be a really fun card very very excited for it anything else to add for who's number one nope all right, let's move on to our preview for Fight to Win 165. This is the all-women's card. I love that it was yeah, once a month showcase on the female talent. Uh, that's dope. Um, we have a bunch of matches for this that I can't find right now, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the two that we do have, Muriel Miliasic versus Elizabeth Clay in the Gi. Um, listened to an interview with Elizabeth Clay recently on... Uh, what podcast was it? Really good interview. Really, yeah. inter- it was with um, AJ Clermont, whatever, whatever AJ Clermont's podcast is. Um, sure. Talked about training in Alaska, growing up, like. And Elizabeth Clay, who was very funny in this interview, talked about. She goes, "Yeah, excuse me, it's like leg locker, gi, like no gi player. It's like most of my like really good stuff is in <laughs> the gi. Like I have multiple world championships at like juvenile and like adult and in like yeah. purple belt and brown belt in the gi. Like a lot of my pans wins are like." Gi wins, yeah, and everyone thinks of me as this no, like yeah, because you got ADCC, like you got the trials ADCC, like the big one, yeah, and uh, and like that's the black belt one. So 
super yeah and i mean she, her, most of her this. matches her like really exciting matches and her big wins most recently recent have been nogi recently yes. so that's i mean that makes her breakthrough was nogi so mm-hmm. we saw we've seen her in gi i think in subversive she had yeah. she was on a gi she was on a team uh i think with cody still and william tackett yeah actually at subversive yep. um looked good so i think that's the only time we've seen her in the gi again plays a similar game very curious to see how she lines up against Marilyn Miljasic. Um She was one of those that she was competing Nogi at when she was still technically a brown belt, purple belt. Well, but like recently, like she she's a recent black belt. Very recent black belt. I think November of twenty. Okay, yeah, and so black like belt. some of those matches where people were like when she was really having a breakout, she was still a brown belt. She was but, still like sixteen. Yeah, right. She's still too. like I think she's twenty now. Yeah. So it's like new black belt twenty, like. Yeah. The world, this is like one of her first black belt matches. You're fighting Muriel Meliasic. Yeah, like, right. props to you. Um, very curious to see. Again, yeah. ha- I unfortunately can't recall a lot of Clay's matches in Nogi. I'm so much more familiar with her gi. This is going to give me an opportunity to actually. Like, what I said. Can't recall. Can't recall her gi matches. Correct. Yeah. yeah, my bad. And it's it's hard to pick a pick a winner for this because we know Elizabeth Clay is so skilled mm-hmm. in Nogi, and I, guaranteed that skill transfers to gi. Oh yeah, but against maria and the gi it's it's hard to say you know i think the favorite has to be maria right now but um but we'll see we'll yeah. see how elizabeth if, quay looks in the gi once we get a little bit more information on her i think if maybe. you got 30 minutes listen to the interview on aj aj, AJ Klingerman's podcast i can't for the life of me remember what it is it's on my other phone yeah um but yeah find it listen to it. it's new it's really cool and clay talks about like kind of her career coming up and a lot of her training and like Thoughts on Gi versus no Gi. And it's like, yeah. honestly a very, very insightful interview. Cool. It's cool to hear actually that kind of that side from Clay because we don't see as much from Clay. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see where she goes. Yeah. Moving into Black Belt. It'll be interesting. So Check it out. It's exciting. Um, we also have Luisa Montero versus Jessica Flowers in the Gi, a classic rematch. Yeah. Um, again, I'm going to push Flowers here. I think wouldn't like, I, I, this is, every time we see this match, I'm, I like, I'm like, I don't know how to pick it. Yeah. I don't know how to pick it. Um, yeah, I think Flowers has been more active recently. Luis is so dominant when we she's saw, on, though. She, when she looked really, really good at third at third coast grappling with women, great at third type. coast, and she also looked great. I think maybe I'm on the last I might be on the last one's like, fight to win. I think she was on it. As she well. was in her her run at Pans this year was really good too, yeah. which wasn't that long ago. Luis mm-hmm. looked really good there, um, but we don't see well, her in these. Wanna, these yeah. events as much, right? Like she had a really, really good match. Might have been versus Baby Vieira last year in the gi actually it was before corona because i was on a treadmill at the gym <laughs> and i watched it yeah I was, no, I, was on the, I was on the elliptical uh at the gym and i watched it yeah on a friday night one night <laughs> and i remember Riveting. being just a barn burner match um yeah she's always looks really solid i kind of um, want to pick montero now i'm i was gonna lean in montero well it's like i've picked <sighs> she, she's had some strong runs yeah, in the she, gi recently the, the, the pans run the pans run was solid is is i think if what, i'm remembering what correctly over right now is i yeah. just think that like yeah, I think you're right. The the yeah. pins run. I'm gonna pick pick her here. Looked really really good. Excited. I'm kind of I'm super upset. I can't find the rest of them. I looked and I'm, as soon as we finish the recording, I know I'm gonna find the rest of the matchups. Um, but yeah, should be a super fun card. Again, I'm so happy that Fight to Win is showcasing more women's talent. Oh, you f- her profile's up. Awesome. Uh, who did she face last? Yeah, Pans was her yeah, last Pans thing. Yeah, Pans was her last thing. She beat um, Kendall Riesling and Natalie Habero. Yeah. Um, that, Kendall by a toehold and then points for Natalie at 2020. Uh, lightweight and then the absolute yeah. division. She beat Riesling. Yeah, that's... She looked good. She looked good at Pans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did I mess up? She not fought Flowers before? Yeah, she has right there. Where? Winverse Flowers. 
Oh yeah, We're, other Europeans 2019 yeah, absolute division. Yeah, that's their different divisions. So yeah, um, again, with two wins over Majesic. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I think I I go with Montero based on her her recent performance and um, previous wins over. Yeah, it was a couple years ago. A couple years Just, ago. Yeah, Just Oh, yeah. So is still pretty young. We were so. talking about heel hooks in the gi, maybe before the thing. Uh, she also, yeah. That was the match versus Maggie Grandotti at Substars. Substars. It was a gi match. There was heel hooks in the gi. Yeah. And Zach and I were both very happy about heel hooks in the gi. So, yes. should be a great card. Super excited for it. Again, I yeah. don't have the rest of the matches up, but very, very excited for it. Any other pieces of information there? Nope. All right, so end of the fight to win results. We have Travis Clark defeating uh, Chad Fields via split decision to retain the title. We have Alan Shabaro defeating Ed uh, Weishaupt via decision. We have Diego Santana defeating BJ Nelson via decision. We have Henrique Rosa defeating Justin Renaro via decision. We have Michael Torres defeating Angel Torres via heel hook. We have Fabricio Baratoni defeating Guillermo Rocha via split decision. That was fight of the night for the black belts. We have Pedro Villas defeating Rodrigo Lopez via choke. That was submission of the night for the black belts. We have Robbie... Uh, Malinfort defeating Vinicius Carvalho Garcia via decision. We have Lorenz Mar- Marzano defeating Abug uh, Nindai via decision. We have Mike Anderson defeating Wally Thomas via choke. We have Mike Broderick defeating Stefan Hall via head and arm choke. We have Justo Kim defeating Jason Gavita via choke. And we have Andre Gomez Race defeating George Perez via bicep slice. So on the brown belt results, we have Zach Croton, uh, Cothran defeating Mark Friend Sakuti via choke to become the fight to win Masters uh, champion, and that was also submission of the night for the brown belts. Uh, Zach, as far as outro this week, what you got going on? Anything fun? Mm-mm. No, no jujitsu this week because uh, Spencer's out for the week, so I'm just gonna relax. What's he doing? That's uh, the thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm gonna do the, doing the same thing. Yeah. Just living at just chilling. My house. It's snowing in Baltimore again. Yeah, that's been a pain in the ass. Not because I can't drive in the snow. I grew up in Cleveland, so it's yeah. like fine driving. But everyone else in this damn state doesn't know how to it's, drive in the snow, and so it's scary. brutal. It's crazy. Like I am actually way more nervous to drive in two inches of snow in Baltimore than I am in two feet of snow in Cleveland. Yep. They don't take care of it here as well. The, dude, the the snow maintenance in Baltimore is atrocious. That's yeah, better than it is in Philly. I'm splitting hairs here. <laughs> no, no. But it's <laughs> it's bad. Also, people yeah. run people run their tires bald here. Yeah. Which makes it really hard to stop. And uh yeah. and living up north for many, many years, you learn not to do that or you die. Well, you had snow tires that you put on in the winter. If you were not broke. My wife had snow tires that she put on in the winter. I, was I ran a, my tires bald in Cleveland. I too. was a broke college kid. Yeah, I was like too. I also drove a Jeep, so that helped as well. Yeah. Actually, I drove a Camry for a while with no yeah. snow tires. That's a two-wheel drive car that you learn how to drive good. That's what yeah. I learned how to drive in. I, drive to, I drove a rear-wheel drive 1997 Saturn with a busted window in the back, so my back seat would just fill with a foot of snow every winter, and I would just leave it there because it wouldn't melt because it would stay frozen all right. winter, and then I would just shovel it out at the end of the year. <laughs> God, how I do couldn't we, afford how, to fix the window. <laughs> how did we become upstanding members of society? I wouldn't say upstanding. With like degrees <laughs> and like generally respected and like uh, crazy Speak times. Speak for so, yourself. So the snow has been fun. Yeah. Um, looking forward to getting vaccinated and then getting back into training jujitsu and yeah. doing the fun stuff. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I got nothing else, Zach. Anything else? That's all I got. As always in the show, I'm your host, Mange, and the co-host. Zach. And we are the Grappling Room. To see you on the mats, whenever that is, stay safe. If you like the show, please consider sharing it on Facebook with the folks at your gym. It's the best way that we grow the show and we really appreciate it. You can reach out to us on email. We also have Instagram. We have Facebook. We have 
Twitter. We have Google+. Plus. Until that shuts down. We have a website. If you have an event you would like to have us cover, please let us know. If you have a name, like most people do, and you'd like to have us stop butchering it, let us know. Reach out to us. The show is also available on YouTube, Spotify, in addition to iTunes and every other podcast service. We very much appreciate your time, and thank you.